Um, yeah. Lovely, lovely weather we're having. Is that a great it's, way to? Is a great it's way beautiful. Actually. It really it's is. Really sunny. It's blue skies. It's what 72, 73 outside. Uh, yeah. All right. I think I think we're going. Um, welcome to the Greater New York Menza Thanks. podcast. Thank you. Um, I'm happy to be here. New York State of Menza. We have here Aaron Dye, composer, architect generally very nice person who has been bearing with me a lot through this hiatus, which I would like to say, everybody, I'm sorry about things beyond my control. However, I'm alive. I'm doing great. That's all I can say. You look more than alive. You look amazing. Thank you. I'm wearing a lot of makeup. What? <laughs> it's very natural just looking. packed on the powder this morning. <laughs> it's just a mask. It's just a mask. <sighs> Aaron, welcome. Hi. Um, I have your little bio here. Aaron is a composer, pianist, and architect working in New York. He's a founding member and resident composer for the Chelsea Symphony and is best known for your work on The Night Before Christmas, the narration and composition that I listened to on YouTube yesterday. (laughs) No, it's really great. I really like it. Aaron has been the pianist for the New York City Gay Men's Chorus since October of 2010 and also a staff pianist at Manus School of Music. New school. Yeah. I went to the new school. Oh, you did? <laughs> I mean, for two years. But what they don't they don't keep their students around that much at Eugene Lang. We all kind of Oh, you were a Lang student? I was Lang. I said, not anymore. But okay. <laughs> As an architect, you've specialized in theaters and performance space projects, such as the Lincoln Center renovations, which include significant redesigns of the Alice Tully Hall and Juilliard School, and the Oasis Theater at Stage Door Manor in upstate New York. So first, I want to talk a little about your background, okay. because... It, I feel like it varies a lot from where you are right now. Not to say I've read your Wikipedia page, but you know how it goes. You have a Wikipedia page. Did you know that? Did you make it yourself? No, 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 no. I, oh. <laughs> I think I, I think I know who did it. I mean, it was flattering. I mean, it's a very flattering page. Was... All right. Um, first of all, your background. So you have a background in biology, your undergrad, right? Yes. 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 Um, and you worked in a molecular neuropharmacology lab. So how does that tie into where you are right now? Like, where did you start and how did you? Uh, that's a good question, Sarah. <laughs> um, so I, that's why I'm here. <laughs> well, I was originally pre-med because mom and dad. And, mm-hmm. and I mean, I was also really into the sciences and the life sciences in general. But what I discovered during school and then when I was working in that lab was that while I loved reading about science and learning about it and I didn't like as much actually doing it mm-hmm. or creating the, you know, the the material, which is what happens when you are trying to do research. So, yeah, so I, I like a lot of jobs, like probably most jobs, you know, it, there are tedious parts of it and work is work. And, and I kind of discovered that I wasn't as interested in that in that area. I, I just kind of wanted to know about it. I was interested in the, the knowledge that came from all that research, but not actually doing it because it's, you know, it's, it's not for everyone. It's, it, it's very tedious. It's a lot of times you're, you're by yourself. It's not necessarily the most social and so when did you find architecture well my dad's an architect or a retired architect so that was always kind of there in my world and but you know it's it's what dad did so that's uncool and you know (laughs) for for years and years and and then at one point what I really wanted to do well what I really wanted to do that year was go to art school because I kind of grew up drawing and I kind of had an ability and but that was just not okay at all you know with the parents and um, and so when I was still 
working in that lab, I was thinking, well, I, I already knew that I was not going to be there. Like, that's not what I was going to be doing with my life. So you were in your early 20s at this point? Yeah, like yeah. I just graduated from college. And then I'd been working there for, for two to three years. And and, uh, and I was just, you know, trying trying to figure out, like, what did I, what do I want to do, you know? And what do I, at least, what, what do I want to do next? And I knew that I wanted to do something in the arts. What I really wanted to do underneath it all was to do music. But that that's kind of a long story that we might get to. But in terms of not being able to do it for a while. We might get to it. <laughs> we'll get to it shortly. We'll get to it. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, like I, I wanted to, I was thinking, you know, the parents are not going to let me really pursue something purely artistic like music or or you know art school so i thought architecture might kind of be a nice compromise because there's an artistic component to it and a scientific component to it and and i knew that it would be okay with them because my dad was an architect right so I it was knew a that, good compromise yeah, yeah. i knew that would, <laughs> I, that would probably fly so i just started taking you know when you're working full time at a university usually they they have an allowance for Right, certain like, courses. Yeah, free courses uh-huh. in the evening. And and so I started taking these courses at night for like art history and sculpture and painting and stuff like that, mainly to put together a portfolio. Mm-hmm. And eventually I had enough material and I applied to some schools and, and I went. Wow. <laughs> so I got, myself, I got myself out of there. You did get yourself out of there. Yeah. That's, that's a very empowering story, I think. But and what was really telling also, and 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 former coworkers of mine would laugh at me about this. My my favorite parts of working in that lab were uh, helping them figure out the designs of their presentation boards. So when a conference was coming up, they they didn't know what they were doing. They were messes. They were hot <laughs> messes, and they would you know they they were just like, does this look good? And and yeah. inevitably they would corral me into helping them like lay do the layouts for right. the for the board. So they were of course they ended up being the most beautiful boards, if I may say so myself, <laughs> at these at these really dry conferences. Yeah. And then the other thing that I loved doing was organizing the labeling tapes, the color, <laughs> the color by like, you know, by color. Yeah. And when, when when new tapes would come in, I would like you know slot them in where they needed to go based right. on where, where they were in the spectrum and things like that. And that just kind of confirmed that your coworkers are like, well, he's going to art school. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> and so, where does music fall in all this? Because I know that your architecture has kind of worked into your music space a little bit, especially with the redesign of several theaters and working within the realm of music. So, how did music come around in your life? I had been playing piano since I was pretty young like five years of age and and I'd just taken lessons privately while growing up in school what I here we go and what I really <laughs> wanted to do with my life mm-hmm. I think I've said that maybe five times now yeah is but this uh, is the ultimate was, punchline this is the ultimate this is the ultimate what I wanted to do was to play piano uh-huh. was to, you know, I wanted to be a pianist and of course that was my mom didn't think that was a, a viable you know career. as parents go yeah yeah you know because they want you to succeed right right make a the job. success kind of uh, in the normal construct of what success is to yeah exactly. certain groups yeah exactly so that was once i graduated from high school that was just basically put on hold i mean i dabbled in music uh as a singer in college but i didn't really play that much piano i, I accompanied here and there and and then by the time i went to architecture school it was just there, it was nowhere to be seen like i you know when and when you do any graduate program you just don't have enough time to I mean, you don't have time to ya. have friends. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. I can barely 
I barely have time to drink coffee in the morning, much less like. What, graduate <laughs> programs are great, gen- generally, I think. Like, yeah. I, I like Although the they're whole very idea. time consuming. And especially oh, yeah. if it's one thing that you're very passionate about, you kind of throw yourself into it without thinking about all the other things you're passionate about in life. They kind of, you kind of lose track of those. So while it might be very engrossing for one particular thing and get a little hyper focused on it. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. So when did music come back into your life? So I went to architecture school. I worked as an architect for years. By that time, I was in New York City. Mm-hmm. Which you kind of uh, can't really live here without music. You can't really. It's really hard <laughs> it's to. Really hard it's really to. hard to. <laughs> yeah, like it's it's hard to to kind of avoid it, you mm-hmm. know. Um, and I, I very much like architecture. Actually, I love architecture, and and I very much liked what I was doing. But once again, I could tell. It wasn't going to sustain me like for the rest of my life. Right. I like to put it this way. I loved it, but I was not passionate about it. That's fair. And I knew that it was really music. But the catch was that by then I was in my late 20s-ish. And in my mind, like a lot of music students or a lot of uh, people who study instruments or whatever in um, conservatories, the track for becoming a successful musician, whether it's violin or piano or whatever is you enter all these competitions and you win one or two or, you know, a bunch. And then you kind of make a name for yourself that way. And then some recording company or discovers you and then you start concertizing and you get a record deal and you're on your way. Like that's kind of supposedly how it works um, if you're really single-minded and, you know, ignorant but um so i mean i i was still thinking well that's you know that's kind of how you become a concert pianist you know at least in the classical world and i was like 28 by then 29 at least and i was thinking well because all these con all these competitions have age limits Mm -hmm. like you can age out yeah and and the 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 top of the age limit is usually 27 28 around there so i was like well that's, I've kind of missed my window mm-hmm. to, to do all these competitions. So there's kind of no going back to piano because, I mean, what am I going to do? You know, like the dream's over is kind oh, of what no. I was thinking. So it, it was definitely a depressing kind of realization. And at the time, I was with this now ex of mine, this, that my boy, then boyfriend, Seth. I was telling him that about this one day. And I said, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't love my job. I love architecture but you know it, it feels like a nine to five job nine mm-hmm. to six job and and he's like well why i don't understand why you're not pursuing piano and i said well it's too late you know it, he said you know there are other things that pianists do like there's accompanying and right. there's ensemble work and you could be part of a piano trio like there are a yeah. lot of you know you don't have to be lang lang to be like right a great you right pianist. isn't it just that is it it isn't just that one track and I think I was at the gym. Like in, in one gym visit, I just, I just I decided, oh yeah, I'm going to switch gears. Oh, I love I love that. <laughs> so you know, I, I was like so upset and stressed, and I just went to the gym. I'm I'm switching. I love that you got all that adrenaline. That's like the perfect time to decide to switch. Oh yeah. Yeah. Good for you. Yeah. Wow. And then so I just started taking the steps that I needed to 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 prepare myself to you know apply to school and find a teacher and all that. I kind of I get what you mean about like the missing the window of opportunity. I did. I sang for a long time and I do not anymore because number one, I have no time. And number two, like I kind of missed it. If I was going to be like Anna Trepko, if I was going to be like a big opera singer, I would have had to keep going. I would have had to keep training and win all the competitions that I just didn't do it. 
So I know I know what you mean by that. Yeah, there's, <laughs> yeah. I mean, at least when you're in school and you're young, you, in your mind, you think that there's kind of there's there's really this one way to do it. To right, become, and also to, when you have your parents influencing you in that regard as well, like your parents like providing lessons and your parents, you know, driving you to competitions and saying like, "This is what you need to do. This is how you need to succeed in this path." Like, we're going to do this together. It's easier to have teammates. Right. Totally. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, especially yeah, you definitely get a lot of ideas from your parents too in terms of how to succeed in in a particular area. Yeah. So you studied classical voice. Yes. And um, interesting, I. Which I'm, leads me to my next set of questions. Mm. Where would your work fall, like in terms of influence? Like, what artists do you find influential? What composers? Um, I know that you're doing some work in like writing a musical right now, and that you've done some like classical composition. Like, what artists would be at the forefront of your mind when you're thinking about these different arenas? I, in terms of composing, yeah, I would think that, well, I've definitely been influenced by Bach, mm-hmm. and I have some weird connection with Schubert. Oh, I love um, I, the Schubert leader are, are amazing. Yeah, but just in general, like there's some just something about his temperament and. He's a very tragic character, and something tragic so beautiful. About him. Yeah, and yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know what it is, but I just like even if, as a as a young kid, I just kind of got Schubert. Yeah, um, even though I wasn't understanding how I was doing it, and then um, and I love Prokofiev. Oh I love man! Prokofiev. <laughs> so those are kind of my three guys. Those are your three your three go tos. Yeah, classical guys. Yeah, you're a, you're a romantic a little bit, a little bit. Definitely. I'm definitely, <laughs> definitely. I'm definitely romantic. <laughs> I, Capital R romantic for all of our uh, listeners who are not musically affiliated. <laughs> Capital R, not a, like a, or are you a smaller romantic? Like, do you like to be given flowers and chocolates? And I kind of do. <laughs> I pretend that I don't. Yeah. But then when it doesn't happen, I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like well, maybe I should be a little bit more like obvious, and, you know? Um, but I would say, yeah, I, I'm. I'm not romantic in the. I mean, there's definitely a very kind of. I'm. I'm definitely kind of a balance between the two, but I'm kind of inside romantic. Like I'm not outwardly right. very obviously romantic, but it's layered in. Yeah, it comes out. It definitely comes out in my music, um, but there is a very kind of. At least on the surface, there's kind of more of a classical structure or formality to to my writing. I would yeah. say. What are you listening to right now? In terms of classical oh music. Oh, classical, good. Um, oh, no, anything, anything. <clears throat> now that you got embarrassed about it, now I have to know. <laughs> <laughs> well, well. Um, classically, I'm listening to... Uh, no. Um, <laughs> I listen to kind of... I have just all sorts of craziness on my phone. Um, <laughs> there's very little that I won't listen to. Yeah. The only thing I probably really can't take is like really new agey stuff that sounds like what you would listen to while getting a massage <laughs> like that sort of stuff you know right <laughs> um it's a little too i that can make me crazy and then really bad country mm, can be bad i yeah. like really good country but bad country is i don't know a single person that doesn't like dolly parton dolly parton's amazing she's amazing i don't know how you can say oh i like everything but country music have you ever listened to dolly parton yeah, and a lot of people have this preconceived notion as to what country music is. Right. And it's, it's, I mean, like any genre, it's there are so many different. You know, like to say, oh, I hate pop. You, there, I know. It's, it covers so, so many much. Yeah, 
So what classical artists lately, classical composers? Well, classical composers, it's those three guys. Yeah. I have Prokofiev. Mm -hmm. I have uh, a lot of Prokofiev piano on my phone. (laughs) And, but I also have Debussy. Uh-huh, yeah. And Ravel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I and and I the the interesting thing is Bolero. Yeah, the Ravel Bolero. <laughs> yeah. Um I mean it's it, the interesting thing is that I love listening to that music. I love listening to other pianists play Debussy and and Ravel. Yeah. And, but for some reason I don't love playing it myself. Yeah. And a lot of pianists are shocked when I say that. It's just fun to listen to but it's not fun to play. Is I, it like too technically particular or no I, I mean the few times i played debussy like i got a good reaction but um i, I feel like it's people may people might get mad at me for saying this but <laughs> I, for Hot me take. at least are you ready oh <laughs> i feel like it's not it's not as intellectual mm-hmm. for me than like beethoven beethoven is yeah like I, I i would say i enjoy listening to um, Debussy piano more than Beethoven piano, yeah. but I like working on and playing Beethoven piano more than the Debussy. That's fair. I don't know why, but I think it's just kind of the process of working out a Beethoven piece is more is it's meatier for me yeah. than than Debussy is. In terms of like your love of both architecture and music, what are some ways that you think that they fit together in your life? Where do they overlap? And what is one lack that you kind of find in the other one? Um, I remember when I was, if I may, I remember when I was in graduate school, I actually wrote a paper on the relationship between architecture and music. So here we go. So in 1942 no. <laughs> right um, so <laughs> welcome to my ted talk <laughs> my here's my ted talk but it's going to be three times as long um so the the thing you know people have been talking i mean for ages people have been talking about the relationship between architecture and music yeah. like there's a famous quotes about it you know architecture's frozen music all of that which is very poetic but what i was interested in school at least for a while was you know, what is really, is there really a connection or is it just a very convenient kind of parallel? You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, you can speak very poetically of one seeming like the, like reflecting the other, but is there really a connection? Like, does one really inform the other? And I looked at different projects, architectural projects, I looked at different compositions. There's a very famous modern composer, Zanakis, mm-hmm. who a lot of people, whose music a lot of people describe as very architectural in, in terms of him creating kind of masses of sound and 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 really looking to structure and 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 then yeah, and Schoenberg did that a little bit too. Definitely like, yeah. Schoenberg, yeah. And um and then I looked at projects, architectural uh architectural projects where the architect supposedly was very inspired by music or, you know but it all kind of I kept on coming across the same very kind of superficial connections which mm-hmm. which were like, oh yeah, these these columns are all very rhythmic, you know, kinda of like the beats too, you know, in, in music and I'm like, Yeah, you can kinda of say that about anything. You right. You can say that about trees you see in the forest. Do you know what I mean? It's <laughs> um I, it just seemed very kind of like people grasping at straws and you know, I mean not to get too academic about it because I kind of Let's get academic. Went, went this in, is a men's podcast. I went, well, I went into like the you know it's kind of the 
like how the Greeks viewed, they really considered music kind of a science in a way. Yeah. And, um, and, but, um, so rather than conforming the concept of architecture to music in terms of like, look at how this physical thing represents this concept, which would be music, it's look at how this concept is represents a tangible thing like it's the inverse does that make sense i think so let's say yes okay Um, great but 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 i mean like what there were there was all this numerology involved and you know and 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 um and it had a lot to do with um the stars and 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 all that and i don't remember almost any of it so (laughs) i i could just be babbling about completely something something completely unrelated right now but today what the the closest thing for me personally is when I'm composing, um, sometimes when I'm trying to work out a problem in a composition, like I'm I'm stuck or I I want to be able to achieve something musically, but I I'm not able to, you know I'm in a rut. I'll actually use one of the strategies I learned in architecture school when trying to to solve a, a design problem to get myself out of the composition rut. Interesting. Um, and there are, different, there are different strategies that you can use. Yeah. Um, and it's really just kind of to shake things up so you to get yourself out of that hole. Right. That's the closest thing that, I, that, I, that I've experienced in terms of like kind of a real connection between the two. Besides just kind of this, you know, very lovely aesthetic kind of connection between the two wow that's incredible using the architecture strategies to work your way out of composition holes that's very cool (laughs) kind of just i don't know like i i was kind of desperate just one time and i just thought you know what if i there's this there was this um uh technique that i learned in in grad school called rollage and prolage and it's kind of a and it sounds it's a little bit like what it sa- what it sounds like it's it's a collage technique where you probably have seen it where you cut two different images into these little strips mm-hmm. all the same width it doesn't have to be the same width actually but and then you kind of interweave them and then so you end up seeing these unexpected juxtapositions between parts of images from two different images oh wow and then sometimes um, and you, you and it's still under your control. It's not a completely arbitrary thing. You're controlling how you weave them, what strips go under what, and right. so there is kind of a framework in terms of there being a grid you're creating. Yeah. But you're also controlling. Um, you're exerting yourself onto it, so you're not just leaving it to chance. Right. And what happens is these kind of unexpected shapes and forms and ideas appear. Oh wow. And um, I've used kind of musical version of that while composing just to get myself out of this you know if, if some, something's just sounding like oh i derivative you know yeah and and so i'm not it, something needs so to maybe happen. you'll transpose something else and then see if like one thing works here another thing works there and like certain sounds will come out certain rhythms certain harmonies right stuff like right that. exactly or i'll literally just take a line that i've written and I'm like, it's pr- it's pretty, but it sounds like every other thing that I've ever heard. Right. And I'll literally just chop it up in increments and see what ways and insert it can other things into huh. it, and then and and and, and, and then that's not the end of the story, right? That's just yeah. Kind of, 
the beginning of a process and and then you massage it and you work on it and but just to shake it up yeah yeah huh that's a really that's an interesting process it's interesting like yeah (laughs) it is (laughs) it works for me sometimes um speaking of projects that you're working on right now you mentioned a short film and a musical are either of those in progress finished the short film thing is done it's a it's a short short film it's like five minutes and still qualifies uh, as a short film (laughs) um and it's uh it's a film called falling in love again Mm -hmm. it the director is uh stephen barnett and it and um a friend of mine this actor jerry chrisman um plays the lead in it but it's um it's a very sweet kind of atmospheric film um and, and actually there are some really funny moments in it and and i just i did the music for it and uh the i think the film has been submitted to different festivals and wow. things like that. So we'll see what happens. See what happens. Is there anywhere yeah. online for us to view that? Or I don't think it's available to be viewed yet online. It will be. Once it's kind of out of the festival thing, circuit? Maybe. Yeah. I'm not really quite sure how that whole process goes or how what the intent is of the producers. Yeah. But, um, so on to Mensa stuff. How long okay. have you been a Mensa member? And yes, uh, Menza with a Z. And yes, if you're listening, I know you're critiquing me for not saying Mensa, but it's Menza, and I will keep saying. Is it, it. Menza? It's apparently Mensa. I've gotten. I've always I'm pronounced it Mensa. So, I'm a Menza. Menza. I've never heard it called Menza <laughs> before, but I applaud you Thank for standing you. your ground. You know what? I'm just I'm just different, and in life, it's good to be different sometimes about some stuff, even I've... completely arbitrary stuff. Yeah. <laughs> And I, what, I, what I'm actually what I'm kind of obsessed with. I don't know if you'll have to cut this, but um, I'm kind of obsessed with the idea of people who probably have been criticized themselves for being different, um, being up in arms about someone else doing something differently. Mm. Am I right? Uh, you're right. Can I get an amen? Amen. <laughs> I'll let the um, music play. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Um, <laughs> no Drag Race references on the no, podcast. Oh, that's right. That's totally Drag Race. <laughs> oh, my God. And I don't even watch that show. So, um, Menza. Okay, so Menza. I joined 2000, I think. Mm-hmm. 2000. So I've been a member for, oh, God, 18 years, right? And what's interesting also is, you'll for you, maybe, it's or annoying for you, is that I, I don't think I've ever attended a local event oh no like in the end but i've been to so many ags i can't tell okay. you that's good oh yeah you're involved in oh yeah in... i used to go every year religiously and then oh, just wow. in the past several years i've um the chorus has had like like a tour or something mm-hmm. during that weekend or something like that so i've not been able to but um oh yeah like i would religiously <laughs> i would religiously go every single year and i that's how I've made like some of my best friends. Wow. Uh, at the AG. So it's been at least a relative part of your life, if not a big part of your life? Yeah, definitely. Since you joined. What made you want to join? Well, I, I moved to New York in 96, something mm-hmm. like that, 95, 96. And I was, you know, I came here for school and um, was wanting to meet people. Mm-hmm. But I was getting tired of just meeting, like, what you know, what happens a lot is you go out to bars or something or at or at least back then and it, like the internet thing wasn't so big yet back then. Yeah. 
And um, so I would just go go out and meet people, and everyone was just talking about the same stuff. And if it was a gay bar, it was like Madonna <laughs> or like Kylie Minogue yeah. or, or like Prada, like what they, what they got at Prada recently. Versace, right? Or some sale, right, or some sale at Bloomingdale's or, or, or like Barney's or something. And which is fine. There's nothing wrong with that. Like, I love Madonna, actually. And I love Kylie Minogue. And I go shopping. And I love those stores. But, but like, that's not the only thing right. I want to talk about. <laughs> and it's hard to connect with someone when they're just kind of always kind of staying at the same level. Mm-hmm. And so someone was like, why don't you go, why don't you join a group or something that, that either has more, that, that is more about the interests that you really have or are more diverse in terms of subject matter. Right. So I kind of just looked around and and I was thinking maybe Mensa is like, you know, maybe that could be something that, that might break me out of this, out out of this bondage. Mm. Uh, Bondage of boring conversation. A really boring (laughs) conversation, you know? I mean, it's, it's, it can be fun to talk about silly stuff. Yeah. But at the same time you need a little substantial, dialogue yeah. a little discourse yeah like life. it's all yeah. about balance again you know what i mean like i love talking like about dumb 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 <laughs> things you know and i can go on forever but well not forever because eventually like i get bored right no i get what you mean it's it's interesting i i think i mentioned this before on this podcast if so i'll cut it out i wrote this think piece a little bit ago like about the dichotomy between talking about really intelligent things and being considered intelligent what is the construct of that and like really dumb things and what is the construct of being dumb like I can take jello shots and wear acrylic nails and also like have a discourse about Descartes like in the same breath but that's you know? see that's interesting to me that contrast yeah but because the other side the other extreme is also boring quote unquote can't lighten up right you know? can't break out of the heavy discourse yeah so. like I like someone who can you know like to have that versatility right is interesting to me see and it's the same thing i feel like it's the same thing with music too if you can't take in influences from all like if you can't like madonna and kylie minogue and also like love prokofiev where is where's the balance where's your music going to end up if you are only involved in one particular thing right exactly like today i have laurie anderson and um boney m song rasputin on the same playlist that's great <laughs> i love that <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and and I'm and I'm I'm a little ashamed to say I'm not ashamed, but yeah, I am ashamed to say that <laughs> I have a lot. I have a lot of carpenters on my phone. Why is that bad? That's not bad. It's kind of bad. Don't you think? <laughs> I don't it's, know. <laughs> I mean, well, I mean, I was heavily influenced by my father. I mean, yeah. <clears throat> because that's kind of all. Well, that and and Anne Murray. Mm-hmm. Um. Hey Alan, but um, so um, hey mom, mom. but uh, I don't know. Like, yeah, I like a mix. Yeah, of course. Some people call it lowbrow, highbrow. Some people call it, you know, dry. Yeah, whatever. Um, I just like, I like a mix, you know, and I like being able to go back and forth. Do you draw any musical influence, inspiration from modern artists or from? Really silly artists? Oh, yeah, I'm sure. I mean, like, I'm influenced by musical theater. I'm influenced by by pop, for sure, pop and rock stuff. So, you know, my music my music has definitely changed. It's, it used to be very, very dissonant and 
much harsher sounding, I would yeah. say. But I, th- I find, I've noticed that that happens to a lot of composers. Like when they're in school or, or right out of school, like they're wanting to write something really avant-garde. You know? <laughs> they're really going for it. They're, and they're pulling out all the stops and they're, and, and, you know, and what happens often, and this is kind of true in, in a lot of fields where when you're kind of immature and, and less experienced, like you're kind of wanting to try everything. And right. this happens in architecture too. Like, and you and and a former teacher of mine used to call it using all the crayons in the crayon box. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? It's like you just want to kind of show everyone everything that you can do all in one piece. Right. You're trying to fin- find your favorite color in the crayon. Box. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. You know. But that that doesn't necessarily make a good piece, right? So you learn with experience and and over time that. You know, you you become more selective, and you're like, oh yeah, this is not the time to to do that, even right. though that's cool. You like know? you you have the confidence that you know it, but you don't need to show off that you know it. Right. Yeah. And also, I think very much it reflects like the state of where you are when you start getting into music or getting into art. If you make you know very avant garde, very dissonant things, things that combine a lot of elements, this is the one way that you've been able to express yourself, and you've been waiting all of these years to use this way to open up this part of you to the world. Of course, there are going to be some dark things in there that you have to let out before you can kind of have fun with it a little more. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, so, you know, that I, I, tr- I, try, to, um, I try to kind of stay open and... and uh, have fun. <laughs> and have fun. And, yeah. you know, ultimately what it comes down to is, I mean, this sounds kind of obvious, but I, I want to write something that I would want to hear. Yeah. That I would be interested in listening to. Something dynamic. Yeah, exactly. Have you met any other musicians in Menza so far? I've met a few. I've met this is a great composer, pianist, Paul Kirby, who lives in New York. I haven't seen him in a while, but I and I should remedy that. But um, <laughs> I met actually funny, funnily enough, I met Paul at an AG. Of the like musicians that you've met in Mensa, do you have you collaborated with any of them? Have you listened to any of their work? Like, I was I was kind of thinking about like themes in, and I don't know enough Mensa musicians to really get a handle on this, but like themes that would be throughout musicians of our particular standing of of Mensa membership, like things that might come up, like in their works, yeah, um, that might tie into one another like if you put you know four different composers on an album like what would that sound like would it fit together would it be very contrasting that's interesting i i I think depending on the genre i'll bet you i actually would say yes is my hunch if if you let's let's say we we got a whole bunch of mensa mensa songwriters together yeah and we put all their songs on the same like album or something. I'll bet you that there will be some a, a very common thread through that runs through a lot. I of imagine, them. yeah. And the th- one thread may be a certain kind of humor, because there's there's often a quirkiness to yes. <laughs> to, to a lot of men's and sensibilities, which I actually kind of adore a lot. But it's quirky mm-hmm. and it's um. You know, like like a lot of songs that kind of will have kind of the essence of like a novelty song. Right. That sort of thing. But they are composed, like put together very well. Right, like, yeah. Lots of different fun tracks and... Yeah, like really puzzle. creative. Yeah. And um, that's interesting. I, you know, I, I think it would de- depend on the genre. and, But, I mean, just like any 
any group of people, there will there'll be some people who will be more experienced and, and some people will be less. And, right. Um, it'll just depend on their personal experiences too. I feel like, especially for Mensa members, like there's always a sense of, like when people get into music, music always like says stuff that I can't say with words. And I know that you probably feel the same way. And yeah. our membership it can be difficult sometimes for us to express ourselves in certain ways. Like we can be a little quirkier socially or we can be a little like dialogue can be a little more difficult. You know what I mean? Like it's yeah. it's like there's definitely a high correlation between IQ and isolation and not being able to relate to other people at a bar that can talk about Kylie Minogue for hours. And oh so what if, what if all the people horrible. that what if all the people that, you know, don't get Mensa earlier on in their lives or they kind of feel stuck in that place like they can become isolated and so music kind of brings out a certain temperament a certain part of you that can be I guess I don't know I don't know where I was going with that but <laughs> I mean there I is mean, there definitely it makes is, me really think it does yeah I think there is a parallel between I, I, I'm not as familiar with you know how people who end up being like who end up getting into a band or something or, or whatever how if there's a, if there may be common threads in in their lives growing up but in terms of classical musicians um i mean there's definitely a parallel between many musicians i've met and mensons that i've met in terms of along the lines of what you were talking about just now in terms of kind of growing up with uh, during periods of isolation in periods right. of isolation where you know for a lot of musicians it's just because they're practicing Mm -hmm. Like for hours, like instead of going out and playing or hanging out with their friends or going to a movie or whatever, um, they're literally just at home practicing. Right. Sometimes it's because they just want to, like, like they just love it so much. They're, um, sometimes it's partly because their parents are demanding it mm -hmm. um, or a combination of the two. But I mean, actually, I know that's why a lot of musicians, like a lot of instrumentalists, end up not pursuing that instrument as a full-time thing because it's very isolating it so much that it yeah yeah and, and just kind of the whole practicing and and um uh process is very lonely mm -hmm. you know and you're practicing for hours by yourself you know it's not social at all um and and i hear stories all the time about very famous successful you know star uh soloists who travel the world and tour, and they say it's one of the most lonely lives. It's it's one of the most lonely things because either they're practicing most of the time for a performance, mm -hmm. or and even when they're performing, they're by themselves on stage. Right. Even if they're even they're if they're in front of an orchestra, they're not really interacting with orchestra in a social way, or they're just in their hotel room or they're on a plane. Right. You know, and it's just, they There's say not a lot of opportunities to interact with somebody else. The only thing you're really interacting with is your musical instrument. That's right. Yeah. You know, and, and they've I mean, they love they love the music clearly, but they've given up a lot socially yeah. for it. And and I think that's a very common kind of situation with a lot of people who have grown up very smart or yeah. different. Because if or, you're not that socially inclined or you're getting isolated anyway, like by your peer group, then music is a great place to turn because it's inherently an isolating thing that is in and of itself productive. Right. Yeah. It's right. Nothing you really have to 
you're not really I mean, you are sacrificing a social element to really throw yourself into music and childhood. But at the same time, what element are you sacrificing if it's not there in the first place? Right. Exactly. Exactly. All right. We're getting a little bit up on time. Um, So any anything you're working on right now or anything that you want to plug before we close out before the end before the end <laughs> um let's see well there is well when the uh, new york city gay men's chorus is doing a performance it's a free performance i believe at the brooklyn museum oh wow um and we just did a concert saturday at nyu skirball oh, wow. uh, theater and it was an all david bowie concert Cool. It was everything David Bowie. Wow, I can't believe I missed that. And it was really cool. And um, and so we're going to be kind of reprising a large part of it at the Brooklyn Museum, which is where the big David Bowie exhibit is happening yes. right now. Yes, when is that? It's happening right now. Oh, when the is exhibit? the performance? Oh, sorry. <laughs> Come on, Sarah. The exhibit. No. The, the, <laughs> Come on, the, Aaron. The, 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 the performance is... Oh, it's a Saturday after Memorial Day. So June 2nd. June 2nd. Yes. And it's I believe it's going to be at around 5 o'clock okay. in the late afternoon. And it's going to be just in the front entry area inside. So you, you, what you can do is you can go check out the concert. It's only going to be like an hour long at the most, I would say. And then go in and, and see the actual David Bowie stuff inside. That's very cool. My mom's been wanting to do that, so I think she would really like that. See if she's in town to do that. I think that. it would be perfect. Yeah. <sighs> Um, website, contact information, if people want to reach out and hire you to write some music for them or uh, my, hire you to redesign their theater. <laughs> <laughs> well, my, uh, my website is Aaron A-A-R-O-N-D-A-I.com. And my contact info is on there. And, uh, I'm not great at keeping it like up to date in terms of like the latest events because it just happens so quickly. Right. But any, any, if you want to check out what's going on with the chorus, nycgmc.org. And uh, Chelsea Symphony is chelseasymphony.org. And, and we also have a concert for that coming up. I think literally the same day. Oh. Oh, geez. So You're going to be it's running also, around. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's going to be a busy day for me. So it's June 2nd in the evening at St. Paul's Church in Chelsea on West 22nd Street. Great. Awesome. Thank you so much for not only being on here today, but bearing with me in this whole planning process. Oh, my pleasure. I'm so glad you're back. Oh, I'm so glad I'm alive. I'm but glad you're every alive. Every day's a blessing, and you know what? <laughs> We're going to make it count. Um, thank you for listening, everybody. Reach out to me if you would like to be on the show, if you'd like to recommend someone for the show, if you have a great architect, composer, friend, um, it's very talented and very fun to talk to that you would like to be on the show, contact me, sarah.london, uh, no H on the Sarah, sarah.london at bod.gnym.org. If you want to know what's going on in our branch, if you would like to see my beautiful face or maybe Aaron's beautiful face if you want to come to some local events Sarah the has the beauty oh shucks go on um, check out gnym.org we have some members only pages if you would like to see those if you'd like to see some events email me for the password if you're a Mensa member with your membership number thank you for listening um, we will see you the next time I don't have a medical emergency and can make a podcast come out on that's, time that's such a good thing <laughs> oh my gosh like right. Ah, okay. Thank you. And have a great day, afternoon, everybody. Bye. Bye. Bye.